number three, the Pete Callender Show. I am Pete. This is the show. This is also News Talk 1110-993-WBT. And we are live at the 31st Annual Union County Crime Stoppers Barbecue. Uh, it goes until 6 o'clock tonight. And so if you are interested in getting some barbecue and supporting a really great cause, uh, this is the place to be. It's at the Ag Center, the Agriculture and Events Center in Union County. And I uh, want to welcome to the program Pete Havanek. He is the, uh, oh, he's a former newspaper reporter. I will not hold that against him. I will not hold that against him. He's the Communications and Tourism Officer for the City of Monroe. Uh, welcome to the show, Pete. Great name also, by the way. Uh, uh, how are you doing? You the same exact thing. Hope you're doing well today. <laughs> I am. So, first, let's, uh, let's, let, let's get this out of the way. You're a former newspaper reporter. Uh, uh, local? Yeah, local. Um, local here in Union County. Uh, about 15 years ago, newspaper reporter, editor, all that fun stuff. And so you decided to leave the world of journalism for the dark side. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that's I don't know. We, we, that's probably you know. How yeah, that that's right. Right. Uh, well, it's funny, too. I always wondered when people in journalism, when uh, they would say, because I knew another guy who was at the AP, and he went over to work PR for a company or something, and he said, oh, I'm going to the dark side. I said, how do you know you're not in the dark side and there you're you now go. coming there out of it? I love my, my tour of duty with the newspaper. Got to meet a lot of great people and do a lot of really good things and kind of love where I'm at now, too. So it's a good thing. Yeah. So, all right, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, I do have some experience uh, uh, in Union County. uh, My wife, uh, uh, when I met her, she lived in in Monroe and uh, right across from the Monroe Mall off of 74 there at Seacrest Shortcut. And so I would drive down here and we would eat at the various restaurants in that area. Our first date was at O'Charlie's, for example. And uh, so it was nice coming back down and seeing a lot of the growth that's occurred, like across the street from the mall. I don't even remember what was there, but it's now all, I think it's... It's like a medical plaza or something. It's there's just been a ton of uh, of stuff that's occurred. So, tell me what like in the if you if I step back and say chart it out for me ten years, what has the growth picture looked like in Monroe and Union County? Well, Mon- Monroe and Union County has just just been crazy, and and Monroe is finally getting its its fair share of growth. You know, when 485 opened, what almost 20 years ago or so. It just opened the floodgates for Charlotte and for the north, but it, it really attacked the growth on the on the western part of the county, all that residential growth. But Monroe's always been a, a staple of the economic and the industrial growth, but in recent years, we're really starting to see that residential growth within the city limits of Monroe. So as you know, with, with the residential growth comes the, the better retail, the better uh, corporate stuff that kind of trails behind all the retail so we're right we're retail really following rooftops in a good place right now right retail following rooftops philosophy absolutely absolutely and, and you know monroe's been stagnant for a lot of years because a lot of the focus has been on the economic development because you know a lot of the jobs are here in monroe and now we have the infrastructure in place with the water and the sewer and, and police and fire and everything else to accommodate that residential growth where the, the counties, you know, I don't want to say it's tapped out for residential growth, but it's a lot harder to, to grow outside the county because there's not as much capacity for water, sewer, and stuff like that. So a lot oh. of these developments are coming towards Monroe because we do have that capacity of water, sewer, uh, electric, gas, and all that other stuff that goes with it. Oh, so, all right. So forgive me for not knowing, but so it sounds like you've got different systems for Monroe, the city, versus Union County? 
We do, we do. Okay. So we, we're, we're a full-service city. We have all our, our own water, sewer, electric, gas, police, fire, and, and all the other things that come with it. So we're, we're pretty much self-contained. We don't have to, you know, like other towns, like, say, in Indian Trail, Weddington, Wesley Chapel, they have to rely on the county services uh, more so than us, and, and we just have a lot more capacity in that regard for, for both residential and industrial and commercial. So we're in a really good place. We've got a lot of good infrastructure in place, and uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of good development, both residential and industrial and corporate. So it's, it's, it's a good place right now for the city of Monroe. Yeah, I'll say you timed it just right, Pete. You just you landed <laughs> at the right spot at the right time. Um, t- tell me a little bit. I know a lot of focus. Um, I-, I did a lot of work down in Rock Hill years ago, and the, the 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 economic development people were all about getting residential into downtown Rock Hill. You go back there now, and it's this really cool downtown area. Uh, everybody knows about Uptown Charlotte and that revitalization, all those resources. So, what about Monroe? Yeah. So you know, um, you know, we we're, we're not suffered, but but when you take the the main thoroughfare, doesn't go through your city, right? So 74 is your main thoroughfare. It pulls a lot of the business and the and the focus away from your downtown. So in recent years, I'd say over the last 10 years, the city has been real dedicated to that revitalization efforts in the downtown. Uh, we we dumped a lot of money into the new Dowd Center Theater downtown which is helping to bring people downtown, bringing us some cultural diversity and, and giving us an entertainment venue. We've had, just like a lot of other folks, we've had an explosion of these breweries and tap rooms that have just been awesome to, to bring people downtown. And, and we're starting to see a, a spike in upper floor residential. We have a, a uh, upfitted factory slash warehouse that's, you know, 30 or so residential units now downtown. And, and there's there's a couple other projects like that in and around the downtown. So we don't have these all these boarded-up buildings in, in our downtown that you see kind of scattered throughout the south as you're driving through these back roads. We're, we're really booming and thriving and, and working towards continuing that build in our downtown, which is really cool. Right, which it, it, it reminds me, I mean, there may be a benefit, you said, like with uh, all the focus on 74 uh, for the for you know business and retail, and I understand why that would occur, you yeah. get the high traffic area, but there, there could be a benefit to being sort of off that main road is that you can get a different feel, you can get a different yeah. scene in your downtown you know, that you wouldn't get otherwise if 74 was running right through the middle of it. Absolutely, you get you get that hometown vibe. You got the you know the local breweries, the local um, food joints that are just cool and and eclectic. You get uh, get away from the chains. Nothing wrong with chains. You know, like you said, I know Charlie's can be a really good thing. Um, but if you got that mom and pop shop downtown and and you Knife can have a fork. really unique dining experience, that's really cool. Yeah, we all. I mean, to be fair, the first date was at O'Charlie's, but we did go to Knife and Fork as well. So oh, there you go. Right. Yeah, that's, um, that's as home, yeah. homey as it gets. That's pretty exactly. Cool. Uh, all right, and so uh, also uh, you've got the Science Theater, right? The Monroe Science Center or uh, yeah, Science Center the that science is now, center, which is really cool. We basically just opened that up. Uh, 
kind of kind of still testing the waters with that. That's been an ongoing project. Uh, we've seen some really good folks. It, it's walking distance from our downtown, so folks come, bring the kids, and then kind of walk and have lunch or dinner downtown. It's really neat. It's you know it's a, a scaled back Discovery Place type facility for kids of all ages, and and again just creating destinations. I mean people want to get out. People want to get out and do things and and find cool and unique unique things and you know why should they always have to go into uptown charlotte or somewhere else why can't we have these really cool things here in downtown monroe and that's what we're really striving for having these unique experiences and just putting something out there for not only just the residents but visitors from outside the, the city and county too let's uh let's capture some vanson and, and pageland and lancaster counties uh tax dollars let them spend some money here in monroe which is always good yeah, absolutely. There's no reason why. I mean, people want to explore their own state, and yep. uh, I've seen other, uh, I think, uh, out, uh, you know, places out uh, western North Carolina would advertise to places in North Carolina, saying, "Hey, come check out this place. It's right up the road. It's a weekend trip. You can do it. Yep. You can see all these different things, and it's one destination." So yeah, it, it, uh, it's really cool, you know. And, and you know, downtown, we're building a new police station, which is always cool. I'm, I'm sure you guys talked about that today with Crime Stoppers going on. Sheriff's office has an awesome facility right down the road from where you're at. A uh, new police station will come online later this year, and, and just a lot of neat stuff in downtown, a lot of cool experiences. These, these shops that we have downtown are just, you know, you can't beat them, and, and the service you get. And, again, there's there's nothing wrong with the box stores and the chains. You know, they're they're necessary. But if you could get out and shop at some of these small local stores, it's, it's just a really good deal. Uh, I appreciate you joining me, Pete uh, Havanic, the City of Monroe's Communications and Tourism <laughs> Officer. And uh, I appreciate it, but just for the record, I try not ever to visit police stations. It usually is not for the right reasons. You and me both, brother. Thank (laughs) you for having me, and thank you guys for being out there and helping us promote Monroe and Union County. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Take care. Appreciate it. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Broadcasting live from the Union County Crime Stoppers Barbecue here at the Ag Center, Agriculture and Events Center uh, in Union County. And uh, come on by. They're serving it up until 6 p.m. Right now, I'm joined by Dr. Maria Farr. She is the president of South Piedmont Community College. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you? Nice to meet you. Appreciate being here. Absolutely. So uh, how long have you been president of the six years six years okay are you from north carolina most of my life i was very young when we moved here i was seven years old so um but the majority of my life i was in eastern north carolina okay and uh, very rural area. And is this offensive? This kind of barbecue being served? Are you if kidding? From Eastern North Carolina. Okay. Oh my gosh! You know it, right? They're barbecue wars That's to this right. day. That's right. <laughs> I will not put you on record as to picking one. Although I, I, I like the Eastern version. I'm a vinegar guy. I like it better. Uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit about what the community college offers, because I think a lot of people think uh, community college, and their minds automatically go to maybe what they experience themselves and they think that's what it all is or they have an idea uh and it's based on something that somebody told them once so yeah you guys kind of do a little bit of everything we do. from vocational training to actually programs to get people into four-year degree tracks yes sir yes sir we we actually have really a multifaceted mission um so again as you said for the transfer uh we offer the first two years of a bachelor's degree and the beauty of it 
from the community college perspective is it is quite affordable. Mm -hmm. It's usually just a fraction of what an individual might pay at a university. Um, Why is that? Can you explain why that is? Our tuition is set by the General Assembly. And uh, it, the community college was based on affordability and accessibility, and that's why there are 58 of them in North Carolina. Hmm. Um, the entire system was designed so that nobody had to travel more than 30 minutes to receive higher education. Hmm. And in that part of our mission, that's what we are. We are post-secondary or higher education. We um, meet the same accreditation standards as other institutions of higher learning, um, our universities, meaning that our faculty have to have, you know, credentials in equivalent ways to university. But what makes us different is our student-to-teacher ratio is so much smaller. Um, therefore, our teachers get to know the students, and that that kind of relationship that can develop has a lot to do with a sense of belonging. Um, you're not one of a hundred students in a class; you might be one of twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really easing the transition into university life, into college. And with that, we've developed partnerships. Such as? Uh, we have a wonderful partnership with Wing University. Mm-hmm. So this is a local. Couldn't see that one coming. <laughs> oh, no. That's right. That's right. No, that's, that's good. Right. That's great. I mean, because it's a local university, now university, right? Yeah. Uh, formerly Wing at College, now Wing, Wing at University, and so uh, people can make that transition. But if folks are not, it, you know, they don't want to go to college, they don't want to get a four-year degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of community colleges do a lot of vocational training. And one of the things that you said uh, before we got on air was that you, you you work directly with businesses to customize the education to right. help that business or that industry. Yes. Because yes. I've heard like some other community colleges, and I guess they're all kind of governed differently. Some, like this was out west, where they were saying uh, this program was developed when a big manufacturing firm was here, but they closed, and they're still training people under these old uh, electrical guidelines right. or whatever, and they're like, but this, we're training, we need residential electricians. That's right. That's right. Um, a big part of what we do, um, and I could talk about it from two perspectives in the way we serve our employers. One is through educational programs, so you can get associate's degrees, or you can get short-term workforce credentials. Some that give you credit that you can stack to get higher levels of um, those types of credit-bearing credentials, and some that are just designed to um, give you particular skills that can get you directly into the workforce. So that's the educational side of it. Another way that that we serve our employers is um, an area of the college we call business solutions because the whole point is to develop solutions for our business partners. And within that area of the college, we have things like apprenticeship. Um, And that is where a student learns and earns at the same time. Um, An employer actually designs the apprenticeship program based on the skill set needed to be employed and they also hire the student and so the students getting paid to go to school and get on-the-job training it is fantastic I'd imagine it also helps them get hired onto that business afterwards absolutely it's wonderful for our business community because they're getting an, a student who becomes an employee at a good living wage who um, becomes committed and long, you know, have yeah. have that sense of already understanding the business, and so they develop a relationship, and there's retention associated with that. And we're actually up for a national award. Oh, congrats! Based on um, an apprenticeship model that we have, 
So it's called the Bellwether Consortium, and we're one of 10 community colleges across the nation that are finalists for that. Um, but within that business area, we also go straight into a business um, to assess their needs. And this is a business that is growing um, and making a capital investment in the community. And we will design a training program specifically for that business, and we call that customized training. Customized training. One of the uh, did work with a, a auto repair place out in uh, Asheville years ago, and they were back then and still today, like auto techs, auto technicians. Yeah. Very difficult to fill these jobs. Uh, do you, or a lot of the trades I'm hearing, you know, electricians, plumbers, um, but uh, uh, truck drivers is another one. Like, so what are some of these other? areas that you guys are working in to try to help those industries? Yeah, well, we do have a wonderful truck driving program. You might see our tractor trailers along the road. Um, we have HVAC, uh, and, you know, we all need our weather, our climate systems. Especially down south. That's why we've been growing <laughs> like we've been growing. That's correct. Not without AC would we see this boom. <laughs> and welding, electric, uh, electrical. We um, have electrical engineering. Um and we also have things like mechatronics, um, mechanical engineering. And with these trade programs, our students often go right out into the working world making more than the faculty that just taught them. So um, wow. we're, we're growing a plumbing program. Does the faculty know this? Have they been told this? I don't know. Their incentive is a, you know, probably... Uh, the 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 environment, right? Uh, you know, it's it's an educational. We get Christmas off like for two weeks. There you that go. Kind of right. stuff. There are some perks. Other perks, exactly. <laughs> That's right. right, right. So, all right. So, HVAC. You mentioned electricians. Uh, uh, what about an automotive? Because I know, like, automotive is like in this whole area. NASCAR and the race That's teams, right. everything around. I'm sure has got to be. It's got, it's got to be a draw. We do. And now we span two counties, Union County and Anson County. In Anson County, we have an auto body program. Okay. And here in Union County, we have an automotive program. And we're actually looking to expand that because, as, as you say, it's not – when we look at the trades programs, um, they have become so – uh, technical. Yeah. And so it's really different from what it may have been 20, 30 years ago. And so we have to really stay on top of the industry, making sure that we're, our programs are still relevant. And so one of the things we make sure is that not only do our programs align with um, the, the changes happening in an industry, but they're also leading to good paying jobs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's incumbent on us to make sure that we are constantly evaluating our programs for yeah. that. Uh, Dr. Maria Farr, I appreciate you coming by. Is there anything else that you want to add you think is important or interesting you want to throw out there? Uh, well, know? we also, we're here, programs um, for that too. Um, it does, you know, whatever your need is, come to the community college, come to South Piedmont Community College, and, and we'll get you where you want to go. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thank you. All right. Take care. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. I keep reaching over to turn my mic on because I'm just so used to... Yeah, we're out at the 31st annual Union County Crime Stoppers Barbecue. And uh, I'm only here for about another 20 minutes or so. And uh, But they are serving barbecue up until 6 p.m. this evening. We want to congratulate the Law Enforcement Officer of the Year 2022. It is Deputy Christy Balkum of Union County, uh, named as such by the Crime Stoppers organization today in their... Uh, 
in their presentation, their, uh, their awards banquet here that was held at uh, noon. Uh, so come on by, get you some barbecue. Uh, the event is, uh, I mean, the seated event and all of that is over. There's no more talking, no more politicians. I don't think so, at least. I haven't seen any. But uh, Brett Winnable is going to be here for like three more hours. So you can come, like, ask him all sorts of political questions. He would love it. <laughs> uh, some breaking news I want to tell you about real quickly. Today, attorneys for the North Carolina General Assembly asked the state Supreme Court to, quote, correct errors made by the previous activist court in two cases, Harper v. Hall and Holmes v. Moore. This is according to the Speaker of the House, Tim Moore's uh, website. Attorneys filed petitions for rehearing in the voter ID case and the redistricting case in order to have them be reconsidered by the newly seated North Carolina Supreme Court. He said, quote, the Speaker of the House said, quote, the people of North Carolina sent a message on Election Day. They clearly rejected the judicial activism of the outgoing majority. I am committed to fighting for the rule of law and the will of voters. It's time for voter ID to be law, as the people of North Carolina have demanded. Uh, He then went on to say, or sorry, this is Sam Hayes, the general counsel for the Speaker, who says... Uh, The Holmes case was wrongly decided based on a predetermined outcome. We now have a chance to right this wrong and deliver on voter ID, which the voters of this state overwhelmingly support. Uh, So I I have to be honest, I was not sure how exactly that was going to get back in front of the state Supreme Court. But apparently you can ask for a do-over. I did not know that. (laughs) I was not aware that you could say, hey, I know you guys ruled one way. But could you take another look at that and just rule a different way? Thanks so much. I wasn't aware you could do that. That's a legal thing you could do. So, uh, ABL, man. ABL, always be learning. That's what I live by. Always be learning. It's how I stay young. Um, All righty. So, I mentioned this piece earlier. This is a a, a big research uh, project done by ifstudies.org. ifstudies.org. And I'm trying to look for... Do, 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 Brookings Institute Republic. Okay, it's all right. I don't know. I have studied. I don't know what it stands for. I apparently did not. I did not port over the name of it. But Jonathan Rothwell is the principal economist at Gallup. He's a non-resident senior fellow at the Brookings Institution. That is a lefty-leaning uh, think tank. He's the author of a book called A Republic of Equals: A Manifesto for a Just Society. Okay, so you got the idea. What his guy's pedigree is. Okay. Headline. Young and middle-aged American men are less likely to be working now than at any time in U.S. history. At any time in U.S. history. Young and middle-aged men. The conventional Democratic Party position has been that trade and technology have lowered demand for male labor disproportionately, making work less attractive, especially for men without a college degree. In 2016, the Obama administration's Council on Economic Advisors issued a paper, and it was called uh, The Long-Term Decline in Prime Age Male Labor Force Participation. Long-Term Decline. So this is back in 2016. And they ruled out a couple of factors, like a rise in spousal earnings. right? So just because your wife is making more money, 
oh, that means I don't have to work. No, not the case. Um, Access to government benefits. They said no, not the case either. They dismissed the idea that men were, quote, choosing not to work for a given set of labor market conditions. Instead, they blamed technology. They blamed automation. They blamed globalization. They said that's the reason why men are not, quote, attaching to work. I've not heard that before. Do you attach to work? On the analytics side, the demand side story weakens upon close inspection, though. First off, inflation-adjusted median wages for men have stagnated since the 60s, but they haven't declined. It's clear that men who look for work find it, which is hard to reconcile with this idea that there's no demand out there, right? Demand for labor is extremely high, actually. Most of these jobs do not require a college education either. While manufacturing has faded, you got construction, transportation, installation, repair jobs. They still provide just as many jobs as a share of total employment as they did in the 60s. Did you know that? Also, the Obama administration report completely ignored health. They consider that rising access to disability payments may have contributed... But they dismiss that. And the author of this piece says he agrees with that dismissal. I don't, by the way. They say it doesn't have that big of an effect. I can tell you, as one who has uh, been a gamer for 20-plus years, when I play online with other people and I talk to them, they don't know who I am, of course, but um, I will, I'll learn stuff about them. And more often than not, the guys that I end up talking to don't have jobs. They're collecting disability. And they play video games all That's, generally speaking, the kind of guy I run into. They do not consider the possibility that men be, may be out of work, though, for health reasons, but not receiving disability payments. So that's from the left. From the right, scholars like Nicholas Eberstad emphasizes supply issues. His main argument is that the family structure has sapped the impetus for many men to work. So, like, you go back to 1965, and there was, like, 85% of working-age men, they were all married. But fast forward 40 years, and or 50 years, and now that fell by 30 points. It's now, like, 55%. So, right now, there's, like, a 10-point gap in the labor force participation between men who never marry and those who are married. 10-point difference. If you're married, you're more likely working. This large gap persists no matter the educational group. And he says, this author says, that is evidence against the demand side story. He says it's difficult to know whether marriage causes work or other measures of success or whether success raises the probability of marriage, which causes which. Does the marriage lead to more work or does the fact that you're working lead to more marriage? Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, that's my fans. Like, what can I say? Uh, so it's difficult to know whether marriage causes work or work causes marriage or it's some other measure of success or maybe it's a personality kind of a thing. Like this is what you're drawn to, you're driven to. So he investigates this and he says it's clear married men, men with kids, and men who rate their health better work longer hours. Married men, men with kids, and men who are healthy work longer hours. And he says the last category, men who rate their health better, better, that's the strongest correlation. When predicting the change in hours worked from one year to the next, getting married didn't have an effect? So like, hey, Pete's single this year, then Pete gets married, does he work more hours? No. Hey, 
Pete's got no kids. Hey, Pete has a kid. Does he work more hours? Actually, no, the opposite. Declining health status has the largest impact. So the Obama report and the conservative uh, expert that he cited earlier, they both say high rates of incarceration. It's also one of the causes uh, of the labor force declined. You got almost 10% of prime-aged men that have been incarcerated. If they, can, if they can't get jobs because of that, that's going to have an impact on the labor force, right? Slight problem. Incarceration rates since the 2000s should have resulted in rising labor force participation for younger cohorts relative to older cohorts, right? Because those people who got convicted, they're still convicted 10 years later, but we're not seeing that either. So that suggests the incarceration trends are not a dominant force either. And so what does it come down to, according to this, uh, this uh, piece published by Jonathan Rothwell? It's the health connection. If you're not healthy, you're not participating in the workforce, even if you're not getting disability. You don't even have to be on disability. If you just get up every morning, you're like, oh, I can't get to work, I can't, I can't function, I can't stand up for all these hours, whatever. You're not working, even if you don't collect disability, you're still not working. He says this is the call uh, labor force. And so what causes it? There's probably all sorts of contributing factors from, you know, the, the, the physiological health side, right? Being overweight, having arthritis or whatever, like all of those things. But there's also the mental health component. I know people are going to start rolling their eyes. But the mental health component, especially with the younger generation that got traumatized, quote unquote, somehow, Remember who's writing this report. This is his argument that the traumatization has led to mental health crises among younger men. That's why they're not participating in the labor force. I just bring you the information. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just I'm just letting you know. Don't shoot the mess- messenger. I didn't write the, I did not write this the study. All right, so it raises the question, a puzzling issue, if you will. Why are so many prime-aged, working-aged men seemingly struggling with health issues? Why is this happening? So in this piece by Jonathan Rothwell, principal economist at Gallup, here it is. Here's the, here's the, the payoff. Adults who grow up in married households had an adversity index. Did you know such a thing existed? There's, it is. There's a thing. It's called the adversity index. And adults who grow up in married households had an adversity index of 0.47 standard deviations lower than those who did not. What does that mean? They had less adversity. You grow up in a married household. Your parents are married. You grow up in that environment. You're more likely going to have less adversity. What does that mean? means you're going to have fewer health issues, mental and physical. Younger adults are less likely now, though, to have been raised by married parents. These things have, these things have effect, right? These, these cultural shifts of what is expected, what is acceptable, and all of that, they have impacts beyond just that family for long term, Right? Along these lines, men born in the 80s and 90s had much higher adversity scores than those born in earlier years. 
Childhood adversity is strongly related to current health and adversity. Parental marriage and health are all still strongly related to labor force participation. Right? Childhood adversity connected to current health and adversity, parental marriage and health. It's all related to labor force participation. The causal effects cannot be precisely estimated, though, from surveys such as these. But the associations do suggest that labor force participation could be notably higher by preventing health problems or helping men cope with them. See, so this is, of course, what he's approaching it from is to say we need to just, you know, help the people, give them health services, health, more health stuff, which I hear as, you know, more government, more taxpayer-funded programs and services. Rather than, I don't know, maybe encourage marriage? Oh, no, I'm just... No, that's crazy talk. What am I thinking? Good Lord. Or are you some sort of a anachronistic reactionary Pete? Marriage. Two six-packs of shiner. 99 cent butane lighter Lucky strikes and a fifth of Patron Ice down that igloo cooler Tank of gas at all to do her I can feel a good one coming on Throw in Ray Wiley Hubbard Sing along to Redneck Mother Any blues I had before are gone the working week is over No chance of staying sober I can feel a good one coming on Yeah, we gonna roll all night We gonna get the feeling right We gonna keep this party rocking Till the break of dawn Yeah, I can feel a good one coming on And just a reminder the Brookings Institute, they found out a long time ago that staying out of poverty, maybe also keeping your mental and physical health, might just come down to three things. Three blondes in a ragtop Mustang Followed us down to the lake and Didn't have to think about that too long Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight Situation couldn't be more right I can feel a good one coming on So those three things, graduate high school, graduate high school, get married before you have kids after graduation, and have a job. You do those, any job, doesn't matter. You do those three things, you're probably not going to be in poverty, or if you're in poverty, you're going to get out of it. That's from the Brookings Institute. All right, I will, uh, I'll see you on Monday. Y'all don't break anything while I'm gone.